Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Molly Elkman is the owner and president of Group 2, a full-service marketing partner for home builders. She is also the author of the children's book, The House That She Built, which was published by NAHB Builder Books in collaboration with the Professional Women in Building Council and the National Association of Home Builders Workforce Development Team. Molly is also the co-host and co-creator of Building Perspective, a podcast which promotes conversation and continued education around residential construction. Welcome to the Hazard Girls Podcast, Molly. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I'm really glad you could join us today. You probably know from social media that my daughter and I are big fangirls of your book. I <laughs> love it. We love it. I want to talk all about the book, but I'm very curious about your career. How did you get involved with the construction industry? So I'm actually a second generation business owner. So my dad started Group 2 in 1969, and he really combined his two passions, which were housing and advertising. So I always actually wanted to be a writer, and I went to school and you know was studying PR, and I ended up working for an ad agency that had a public relations department and an advertising department. And I really gravitated towards advertising. It just was naturally where my skills are. And I worked for two big agencies. And then my dad recruited me back to Group 2 in 2006, which was basically the worst time ever to join the residential construction industry. And that's where I got started. (laughs) So, okay, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your business, Group 2, and learn what exactly Group 2 does and for whom? So Group 2 is a full-service marketing partner for home building companies around the country. So I'm located in Philadelphia, but our client base is really all over, and we work with builders of all different sizes. We work with a lot of the most known names in building like Lennar, we've worked with Toll Brothers, we've worked with, you know, these big builders. And then we also work with private companies who are doing, you know, a handful of high-end luxury homes. We do everything from sales offices to their branding, their marketing, their social media, their websites, all of that. So we are specialized in the residential construction space. And I'm just curious now, how is doing all of these things for a construction company different than, say, like, I don't know, a fashion company? How does it differ? Yeah. So in my previous life, I worked for those two agencies that were not specialized in any industry. And what happens is there's such a learning curve. So that's the fun part of marketing is you get to learn all these different spaces, but housing is complex and construction is complex. And it takes a long time to understand the industry, understand the nuances, understand how it's always changing. So when it comes to housing, this is the largest consumer purchase that anyone 
everyone really makes is their house. So for me to really get to like specialize in one space has been very exciting. Working with builders as a business owner, you know, I'm able to connect with them on that front that I own my own business, but I also understand their business model and what it looks like and what the build cycle looks like. I also understand the housing market because we're working with building companies all over the country. So I, you know, we can really share among them what's working in one area, what the challenges are, and really have a pulse of what's going on in different markets around the country. So when it comes to construction, there's so much to know. So I am always learning and, you know, it keeps me on my toes because it's always changing and the way consumers get their information is always changing you know, it is specialized. And to be able to eliminate that learning curve, we hear all the time from builders, it really makes it worthwhile for them because they don't have to teach us about construction. We just get to come in and we already know the industry and are able to really make their message as strong as possible and connect with their audience. Now, I'm wondering, because my business is construction adjacent doing safety boots, how are the construction industry and the other similar industries working with the different social media platforms as far as advertising? Are you guys working with TikTok and like, I don't know, you're creating content and reels? Is it is it all that stuff or is it more traditional? No, it's actually all of them. So it depends on the company and it depends on the market. So a lot of times people think like, oh, you only work with home builders. Like it's probably very cookie cutter. And it's yeah. actually not because their product is different in every market. The price point is different. The location is different. So really, you're dealing with a different audience for all of them, depending on what their homes and community look like. So for some of them, we're doing TikTok and Reels. And some of them were, you know, still having, you know, it's still effective to do print advertising. I mean, it just depends because... You know, every market in our country is really different and the way people in different generations consume information is different. So, I mean, we have some builders who still use radio and it's not for every builder, but in very specific markets with a very specific audience, it can be effective. Oh, absolutely. So it's definitely not like a cookie cutter solution. And we really use all the different avenues. That's so interesting. And I also know that you mentioned you, it's a family business that you came into later. Your, your father recruited you back into the family business. You probably grew up watching him work in this business. It's something you always thought you would do, or did you sort of surprise yourself by agreeing to do it? So I was always interested in the advertising side of it. When I was a little girl, my dad used to bring creative home for builders. And he would put it in front of me and he would say, okay, which logo is the best? And then he would say, which one do you think the builder chose? And those aren't always necessarily the same. And, you know, a lot of marketing is subjective. So, you know, it was really more of an activity in me explaining the why I thought what I thought. And so I, I would pick out the one that I thought was the best and say, you know, give why I thought that was the best and most effective. And then I would say the one that I thought the builder chose and why I thought the builder chose it. And it really got you know, it was like this game we played, but it yeah. got me explaining marketing in more than just a, I like it, I like that color, or this one looks pretty, you know, really thinking about what thoughts go behind any kind of marketing. 
That's so interesting. Now, speaking of family business, you noticed that many of the women in construction were brought into businesses by their families. Maybe that's how they got into the industry in the first place. And I was actually brought into the trucking industry by an uncle, so I get it. I'm wondering, how does that play into their roles in the organizations? Do you think that being brought as a woman, being brought in to a business by your family is a help or a hindrance in dealing with gender discrimination? So I think it's amazing. And most of the times it is a male, you know, it's a dad, it's an uncle, it's a husband, it's someone who is bringing a female into the industry, at least for our generation. And I think it's amazing because there are amazing careers that women aren't necessarily exposed to. And so in that regard, I think it is incredibly rewarding. And I think having males be champions for women and really help show them that these careers are great for them is so important, especially when we're dealing with workforce development. So, you know, once I was here, I don't think it necessarily made it easier. I definitely have some, you know, stories where I would go into meetings with my dad, especially being younger. And, you know, the person he was meeting with wouldn't even, you know, pay attention to me or or acknowledge I was in the room. And then he would casually say something like, oh, well, when Molly takes over the company and then all of a sudden (laughs) they realize, oh, this is, you know, your daughter or that kind of thing. So, you know, it's very interesting to look back. I've been in the industry for 16 years and to look back on some of the things that the younger version of myself just kind of like brushed off as, oh, that's just being a woman in a male-dominant field. And now I have my footing. I know my space within the industry. I have more self-confidence. And and if that were to happen today, I think I would have a totally different reaction. Like less acceptance and more speaking out about it? Yeah. And not even in a negative way, like even in an educational way of, you know, that's not helpful for the industry. And, you know, the industry in general has to embrace equity and inclusion. And and it's so important because we have a labor shortage. And when you have 50% of the workforce being women and only 1%, you know, Mm -hmm. being on a job site, that is the natural solution here. Right. The untapped resource that people need to start noticing. (laughs) You did mention that the building council that you're working with in the National Association of Home Builders. I'm interested in these two organizations. I'm involved with NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, but I don't know about the others. Can you tell us a little bit about those? And because a lot of our audience is in the construction industry, how they can get involved with these organizations? Yeah. So Professional Women in Building is a council through the National Association of Home Builders. And this is a group of women who are really in the residential construction industry. And a lot of them are in supporting businesses like ours, but they work in housing. And I've been a member for a long time, but I I wasn't active really until this project, the house that she built, actually came into my life. I have a friend who is a general contractor who started a professional women in building council in Utah with a group of about 20 women, and they came together and decided to build an all-women built home. Mm -hmm. So that was really what got me very involved in this organization. What I have found since then is that this is a community that is so supportive and really is invested in elevating women in construction, but also women in residential housing, women 
in male-dominated industries, really being that resource for each other, because so many of us have been in so many rooms where we're the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. So to be able to just like have that shared experience, it kind of creates this like sisterhood in a way, which is really powerful. And you talked a little bit about the house that was being built by all women. And this is the basis of your book, I believe. So can you tell us, like, what was this project and how did it get started? What happened with the project? And then you can tell us how that led into your book. Perfect. So my friend, her name is Chrissy Allen. She is a third generation in the industry. And when she came into the industry, she really thought that she would be going into sales and marketing because that's where all of the women that she has seen growing up in the industry are. And after a few years, she kind of had this aha moment of, well, I could be a general contractor. Like I could literally do what my dad and grandfather did for their careers. And she started her own construction company and We came into the industry around the same time. So we've been friends all along and our dads actually used to do business together. So we've kind of like, we've shared this experience of almost like growing up in the industry together. And when they formed this group of professional women in building in Utah, she reached out to me and said, listen, we want this to be all women for every single aspect, including the marketing. And would you be the woman-owned marketing company to partner with us? And I was like, yes. (laughs) I just, I literally have chills just thinking about that conversation because I just thought it was the coolest thing to do and really do it in a way where you're not just talking about the trades, you're talking about all the different skills that go into, you know, every aspect of this project, all the way from, you know, through to sales and marketing and landscaping and, you know, all of that. I mean, it just was so powerful and so ambitious. And I love that. I love a challenge as I know many of your listeners do. I think that's probably something that we have in common as women in this industry is, you know, we're kind of like, oh yeah, you don't think I can do that? Just watch. Like, Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited to be involved in this project. Georgia, who's the creative director of my company, we actually named it the house that she built. It didn't have a name when it was put in front of us. It was the all women built home. (laughs) So we named it the house that she built, inspired by the nursery rhyme, the house that Jack built. So we decided to kind of do a play on that. And we did the branding for them. We helped them get national coverage They ended up getting really the majority of their labor and materials were donated during a time when labor and materials are really hard to get donated. This is right in the midst of the pandemic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was in order to have this project done authentically the way they set out to, they had to fly in women from all over the country. And, you know, the hardest one to source was the plumber and the master plumber actually came from Philly and I love her. Her handle is tiny plumber girl Mm -hmm. and her name is Kelly Ireland and we've become friends and they basically stalked her to get her to go out and work (laughs) on this home. (laughs) She's like, who are these people? Why are they stalking me? So they had these women fly from all over and different, you know, some people worked on the home for a day. Some people worked on the home for the entire course of it. I think they basically all did framing, even though none of them were framers by trade. A lot of them learned new skills in order to keep the project authentic. 
And it was just really powerful. And I had this aha moment of, you know, this story is going to end when this home sells. And the momentum and the passion and the emotion that was so tied into this project it felt like, oh my gosh, something is going to end. And so it felt like really devastating. Mm-hmm. So I had already written this poem for the women to read at their grand opening. And I had this moment of, this is it. This is a children's story. And as I mentioned earlier, I always wanted to be a writer. When I was a little girl, that was my dream was to see my name on the cover of a book. I just never had the right story. And When this happened, I reached out to Builder Books, which is the publishing arm of the National Association of Home Builders, and I pitched it to this big panel, and they immediately were like, yes, we have to do it. And I already had the manuscript because it basically was the poem that I had written, and we ended up bringing it to life, and it's been even more amazing than I ever could have imagined. I mean, the book just, we launched it on September 14th and we printed 10,000 copies, which was already ambitious because they had never done a children's story and they had never done a consumer facing title. And on the day of the launch, all 10,000 copies were sold. Amazing. So it was just like, it's been such a wild ride because I knew the book was important, but I am not in any of the specific trades, I'm in marketing. So like I knew the importance of it, but I never expected to meet women and they would start crying and tell me their personal story or like something that happened to them. I knew it was important, but I didn't know how impactful and how needed it was. And to see strangers post pictures with the book on social media is literally, I will never get sick of it. It is the most amazing, exciting thing to me. And so like this book to me, it doesn't feel like my book. It's It feels like our book. Like it, it feels like this like tool that is bigger than me. It's bigger than the house in Utah. It's for all of us. It's for the housing industry, the construction industry, all the trades. And it's just been really exciting. And it's for children. I mean, when I say it's for children, I mean, it's so that children can pick up a book, read it, and all of the preconceived notions of the fact, you know, the idea that men do these jobs, that the the builder in a book is men, the firefighter in a book is a man, they don't exist in this book. So it's a child, an innocent child can pick it up, read it, or have it read to them by their parent. And to them, it's completely normal that all the characters in the book that are doing these this hard work, they're women. And it normalizes the whole concept. And I think it's amazing for both boys and girls. I'm thrilled to have it. I used to go in when my children were smaller, I used to go in the book and add, I used to call it add a bun. I would draw a little bun on the oh, back I love of the characters that. and I'd make some of them women. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I mean, that this book exists, you know, it's so groundbreaking that it's, it, it exists in such a way that it just really makes it seem like a normal everyday thing. And I think that's so important for children to be able to see that. Yeah. And the adults are really responding to it too. So like the parents are saying, you know, I never really thought about all the different skills and careers that go into the space that we take for granted every single day. So even though it has a reading level of, you know, K to second, it's, People are responding to it at all ages because they don't necessarily know all the different trades. And 
For me, what's also really important is we have careers in there where you need to go to college and we have careers in there that you don't need to go to college, but they're all treated on the same exact playing field. Like one is not better than the other. They are all needed Mm -hmm. to create this beautiful, amazing, one of a kind home. And to me, that's a really important part of the story. Now, you mentioned Plummer was really hard to find, and you, you ended up getting Kelly. You're probably so excited about that. She's awesome. What other jobs are in the book, are mentioned in the book? So there's 18 that are in the book, and obviously there are a lot more that go into it. We were trying to show you know, a natural progression of you know, start to finish. So it starts with the architect. We have you know, the excavator. We have the general contractor. We have the HVAC. We have the plumber, the electrician, the interior designer, the landscaper. So we get into you know, some of them. We, we have the trim carpenter. There are 18 in there. There, are, of course, are more. But the objective was to try to give the baseline. The roofer is a big favorite. Same with the Tyler. People love both of those. So the whole idea was to for anyone who picks up the book to feel like they identify with one of the characters. And it's so true what you said about adults responding to the book as well, because you can learn really about exactly what goes in. You don't really think about it. So it's one of those books that by reading it to your child, it's so interesting. It's it's not one of those, oh gosh, I have to read this again. It's like, oh, can we read this, please? Because <laughs> I want to see it. And I want to I like think about all these different jobs and imagine the women doing them. And I'm interested also in the art. Who did the art for your book? It's yeah. So Georgia Castellano, who's the creative director at Group 2, she did all of the artwork. And she also had created the brand for the house in Utah. So, you know, what she did was she refers to it as the brand of the book is like the little sister of the brand for the house. So, you know, that logo had cursive in it. We couldn't use that for a children's story, but it's the same color palette, the same vibe. We didn't want it to be like, a cliche, girly kind of look. We wanted it to feel strong and feminine. And we wanted it to feel interesting and thoughtful. And, you know, the level of detail that she put in the illustrations is just, I could never have imagined anything. I mean, it's just, it was perfect. And we did send it through to make sure everything is OSHA compliant. We had to add a lot of masks and, you know, make sure that the women in the book were portraying safety first. That was a big part of it. And she just did such a phenomenal job and working with her on this has been such a dream. And one of the things I love about the book is it not only features women, but the diversity extends, of course, to race to physical ability. Can you talk about that a little bit? Were these based on on real people? So we followed the whole project and over a hundred women worked on the project. So what we tried to do, it was inspired by the whole group of women. The only one that isn't is based on an actual woman is the general contractor. And that's based on my friend Christy who got us involved in the project. Other than that, they all are based on parts of all the women who were a part of the actual project. So they are inspired by the real women, but none of them are one specific person. That was so important to us because that is a huge opportunity. It's not just for girls to see someone who looks like them, but for anyone to pick it up and feel like they can relate 
to at least one of the illustrations in the book. That was a big objective. And, you know, even now we discuss it very openly, like, well, what else could we do to make it more inclusive? How, how do we address this? And, and we have those conversations because we, that's what we want. We want to see an industry where you look around and not everyone looks exactly like you. And we think that that would make the industry better and more interesting. And we think that that's exactly what we need. And so tell us, I know that part of the reason you did this was because you saw the actual project of building this house that was going to be coming to an end. And you're like, how can we keep this going? So tell us, what is your hope for the book? Where do you see the book going in the future? Do you see other books following it? What what are your long-term goals? So so many things have come up that I never could have expected. So first of all, the book is not for profit. So what happens is all of the proceeds from the book go back into education programs to let people know about these different trades and especially target girls. So that has really led to some amazing partnerships. We actually are about to launch our Girl Scout patch program in a couple weeks. So Girl Scouts around the country will be able to earn their The House That She Built patch. And then each of the trades will be its own program. So they'll get the patch and then the 18 trades in the book, they'll be able to earn a charm for each of the trades. So in total, it'll be 19 programs, which is really awesome. We're also going to be doing a national book tour where we do pop-ups in different schools and Girl Scout groups and have special speakers to talk about just their job and what they do and, you know, really relate real women to children. And I think, you know, for us, the book is so important to start the conversation, but the book is really a tool for women in the trades to use, to go into the schools and to use to educate others. So that's, you know, it's really about the real women. And that's why this tour is so important and why the Girl Scout program is so important because we want the women who are doing all of these jobs to have a voice and to be able to tell their story because the story is so powerful. Yeah. Congratulations on your partnership with Girl Scouts. That's super exciting. And the I, I can just only imagine the impact of that, you know, how that's just going to extend in, for generations. So congratulations on that. That's Thank really you. fun. All right. Well, so what's next for you? Are you going on the tour? So I am going to go on some of the tour. I do, you know, as I said, it's this is a nonprofit, so I do still need to work. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about the book and the mission and the initiative. And I want to make sure it's completely set up for success. And I, you know, it is important. I want to continue to have, you know, to help it. But like I said, to me, this is so much about the real women and their stories and, and creating this program that the women who are doing these jobs have a platform to share their story and an audience to share their story with. So I do believe that's like the future of this program is is that women in the trades will have this as a tool to use in their own local communities. As far as next steps, I really want to get the book into all the schools. I think it's very important. Warehouser is sponsoring curriculum building. So they have made a three-year commitment to build out curriculum based on Common Core standards to go with the book for free. And that way, it's a tool for teachers as well, based on what they're teaching in those different grades. So for example, you know, in first grade, 
all across the country, you're learning poetry. Well, this book can be used to teach some of those lessons that aren't just about, you know, the actual trades. So the way to use it for education is really unlimited. And that's why STEM is such a big focus, because we want it to be incorporated into curriculum. Oh, as it should. Where can our listeners find the book? Is it still available online? Do they have to go to a store? It's available online. Our website is shebuiltbook.com. There's, you know, a free lesson plan on there. We have a couple more in the works. There's a free page for children to that you can print at home for them to color. You can order the book there. We are creating a new website where we'll have even more available. We have an activity book and a sticker sheet. And you also can buy it on Amazon, you can buy it on Target, you can buy it on Walmart, it's definitely available online. And if you buy it, please leave us a nice review, because that's a big part of getting the message out there as well. So true. Yes, everyone get the book, get it for the children in your life, get it for the grownups in your life and leave reviews. Molly, this is so exciting. I'm so happy you were able to join us. Molly Elkman is the owner and president of Group 2 and the author of the children's book, The House That She Built All About a house that was completely built by women based on a true story. Thank you so much for joining us, Molly. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.